many of my experiences, again, this is all in my crib. And by that, I mean in the traditional use of the term, not in the contemporary <laughs> vernacular. I mean, technically, I guess both are true. Yeah. Um, I was in my crib, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I was also in my crib. Um, but uh, like I said, I've been having these experiences off and on. And they were very challenging as a small child because I didn't know what was going on. Sure. You're already dealing with the fact that you're a little kid and things can freak you out. And then you are conscious of the room, but you can't move and sometimes can't breathe and other things. It's good times. Anyway, so I had, I finally, when I was, like I said, about two and a half, I came into that state. But for whatever reason, because um, usually what happens is you, you panic. There's a panic because you're trying to, the conclusion I've come to, with, and I'm sure there are psychologists that would disagree with me. I'm sure of it, actually. But um, my feeling is that what happens when you come into that state is that you're actually not in your physical body. Okay. You're actually in an astral state when you're in that. But you're still laying in your body. But what happens is you're, you're trying, because you're in your body, like laying there, you're trying to make your body function. And your body's actually asleep. But you're not. Mm. And so what happens is you start to panic because you can't move. Well, you can't move because you're trying to, you're trying to make your brain operate your body. It's all about thought. It's not about physicality. Mm -hmm. So um, what, for some reason, in that, that particular time, I, I just, I guess, became aware that I was not in my body. <coughs> and it became a form of astral projection or absolutely. like spirit walking in the sense, right? And I was just, I was, I just suddenly was standing in the middle of my bedroom. Now, when you were saying you're standing in the middle of your bedroom, were you standing in the middle of your bedroom as a two-year-old? Yes. You were two. You yeah, still, yeah. You well, yeah. about two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. So, if you can imagine, I was about, you know, three feet tall, if that. <clears throat> and, well, before, I, sh I should tell a little bit about structure. So, if you can imagine, this is a second story, like over a garage, kind of old-fashioned mm -hmm. house. Probably built in the 20s, based on certain things that I noticed and there was another one right next to it to the north so there was a there was a, like a little those old little tiny sidewalks that would go between and my bedroom looked out at the wall of the building across right and so I'm standing there in which is weird because I'm I'm sort of a little disoriented but I'm standing looking out the window and there are these two I've always described them as children floating outside the window. They're floating in, in the air. And there's enough ambient light outside that I can see them. It's night, it's night, but it's like not night. It's like pre-dawn. So they're floating outside the window. And I think the reason I always describe them as children is that they, you know how adults, okay, you all remember when you were two, right? Um, Vividly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But there's a thing about adults. They have a seriousness about them and they have a... Um, you can tell that they're thinking about a lot of things, mm -hmm. other things. Children tend to be doing what they're doing at the time. They tend to be more in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I always describe these beings as children. They weren't children, but they, they, they felt more childlike than adult-like. They were like adults if they weren't uptight. 
Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're present. They're very or, present. Or wonder about them. Yeah, exactly. And they were sort of a... Um, I mean, they were bigger than me. And they had no body hair on them at all. Like, nothing like that. They were anthropomorphic, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they were... They were humanoid, but they were very smooth, almost like... So, I mean, not, not me, but for these guys, can you describe what anthropomorphic <laughs> means? Not, I mean, I totally get it, but go. Um, an- anthropomorphic, um, anthrop, anthrop means basically human. Anthropomorphic, morph, shape. Like so they were human-like, but they were not human. Um, and they kind of had a texture to their skin like silly putty, like that sort of... Like they weren't malleable like Silly Putty, but they had a little sheen and they were sort of not pink, pink, but they were pinkish. Maybe sweating. Um, Sweaty Gumby. Sweaty Gumby. (laughs) Did they? um, I think that should be a thing. (laughs) Oh, you said like a pink though? Yeah, it was pink. Yeah, they were like, like almost like the color of an eraser on a number two pencil. That color, but not maybe not quite that magenta, a little desaturated from that. It's like a number three pencil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and they were, their, their heads were very smooth and, you know, and it's funny because when I think about, like, if I think about the memory right now, because I understand when I have these experiences, I should back up. I'm, I'm, I know I've learned over my lifetime that I'm a little bit of an oddity in that my conscious memory like this like this kind of experience started when I was very, very young. I was understanding as a two-year-old before I could really articulate like one and a half, two, I realized why I was having, why toddlers get so cranky, at least in my case, because I could not only understand everything that every adult around me was saying, but I had things to say back. I heard English in my head perfectly, but I couldn't make my body articulate it because I was still learning speech. And it pisses you off when you're a little kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so it was very, very cognitive, you know, very um, realistic. This, this whole experience was very, and very much like this experience I'm having sitting with you here right now. It's very, not dreamlike at all. It was very real. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sitting, I'm standing, not sitting, I'm standing, looking at them, and they're floating. And they're inviting me to come and fly with them. And I went, you know, I, I, I looked at the situation and I went, I probably should ask my mom if it's okay if I go flying with the weird naked children outside my window. Um, it's probably a good, <laughs> I good mean, idea to have. Yeah, listen, good thought to have. Yeah, it's one of those things. Just say, check in, you don't, know. Don't, yeah. don't eat after midnight. <laughs> don't, don't put me in water. Don't put me in yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and it was weird. And I told them, I said, I probably should ask my mom. And I turned around and she was standing behind me in the room. And I kind of looked at her and I said, do you think it's okay? And she went through this whole thing in her head. I could see, and she was sort of articulating it out loud, but I could see her going, she was like, she's like, mm, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's outside. We don't know who these, you know, who, who are these beings or who are these people? I think she said people. Um, and it is floating outside the window. And what if you fell? And like, you know, she went through the whole thing and then she went, well, but, but, 
it's happening and it's a rare experience. And, and she looked at me and she said, well, I'll tell you what, if you trust them and you think it's okay, you think you'll be okay, then I'm okay with it. And I went, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> and I was floating out with them. So did you, like, did you remember like, how you went through the door or the, the, the window, or was it just like you just went through? Um, you know, it's weird. It was almost like an instantaneous transition. I was standing on the floor, and then I was just out there, and I was looking back through the window. Okay. Like I could see into the room from the outside. And then we were floating, and you, you know, this is a second-story window, so I'm up off the ground. Mm -hmm. And we're floating, and I'm like, this is far out. <laughs> <laughs> we were, I was a hippie child, so far out was an acceptable that word. Was the cool yeah. thing. I didn't say groovy. Um, but you did say you were in your crib. I was in my crib. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you're floating around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm floating around. I'm floating there, and I'm just like, it's almost like there are thermals in a way. Like I'm, I'm, I can tell that there's air. And so it's like up and down a little bit and moving around. And then for whatever reason, I looked down at the ground, and it became very clear to me that I was three feet tall so i'm over a story off the ground which when you're three feet tall is like might as well be 30 feet yeah so i look down and i panic and i start to fall and i'm falling and like going ah and i mean i was looking at the sidewalk it was going and i went Poop, and i stopped like six inches off the sidewalk i was like, <laughs> it's like happy thoughts it's Peter, Peter like, pan right yeah and i looked i looked up at them and they went, the one, the one looked down at me and, and kind of shook his head and waved, waggled his finger at me. Or I say he, I don't know, it. And went, and went, can't do fear. Can't do fear. And I was like, got it. No fear. Okay, good. And then I floated back up. But then I kept floating. Was, it, was the communication all telepathic? Or do you remember? Probably. Okay. Probably. You know, what's weird is every experience I've had where there's communication... At the time, it seemed like just conversation. But when I think about it, nobody's mouths were moving, mm. right? Yeah. So it probably was telepathic. Um, anyway, so I, float, I floated up past the roof, and I floated up past the roof of the building as the sun came up in the east. Mm. And there were all these other people sitting up on the roof, like a whole bunch. Of, and they weren't like them. They were just like regular people sitting on the roof and I floated up above that and then phew, I was I was back in back in the crib well now anybody could go oh that was a very interesting two and a half year old dream right yeah. so I was telling that story to someone else um, at my mother's house many 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 years later <clears throat> and I was sitting at her table and I was telling the story about all this and she my mom was doing something in the kitchen and when I got to the part of the story about her being behind me and the whole kind of palaver in her head about whatever. <clears throat> she, I think she was like washing dishes or something and she, I notably heard her drop a dish and she turned around and she went, that was real. So she remembered it. She, she had, my mom shared the experience wow. from the that other side. Crazy. So you did get a shift in time then in that experience, technically, because you said you left the room at night and then we're coming up as well. Well, like I said, was there was a, there was enough light outside. So I think probably it was pre dawn, oh, pre -dawn. because like twilight, because mm -hmm. looking outside the window, if it was night night, they would have been basically silhouettes because the next the building next door was kind of a light color. <clears throat> right. But oh, okay. I could see the pink. 
I could see the color. So mm -hmm. I think there was a, so yeah. it's possible, now that I think about it, the entire experience could have lasted this long. Mm -hmm. Right? Like literally sure. the seconds before the sun came up, but not in my experience, which is a normal time dilation thing that can yeah. occur. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the first thing. And when I've reflected on that whole experience over a lifetime, um, the conclusion I, I kind of came to is that they started contacting me early because I had to be prepared for what was coming. And a big part of it was not freaking out, not normal human instinct to panic when weird things happen, right? And that went, because as you think about it, that was like really the foundational event. And what was the whole theme? Was not to fear, right? Can't do mm. fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that didn't work all the time. <clears throat> but I was pretty fearless as a little kid. I was pretty fearless until my father passed away. When my father passed away, that things changed a little bit. But um, yeah, I used to like climb out. When we were traveling west, we camped along the way. And there was this one campground that had this tree and this limb went out over a cliff that was like, I don't know, 50 or 60 feet down to the ground. And I was just, you know, in my shorts, little hippie kid, climbing out on the branch, freaking out old ladies that were walking by the campsite, going, what are you doing? And my mom was like, he'll be fine. <laughs> that was sort of my mom's policy. He'll be, he'll fine. be fine. Did your mom or any of your other family members ever mention having contact with these beings as well in their past or no they did not and wow i just remembered something else um not really my my father i have a feeling that my father was was a sensitive meaning that he could he was experiencing things he just had no capacity to cope with it so he um he died when he was 24 self-inflicted gunshot wound mm. he this is a guy who was legitimately scared of the dark he believed that vampires and werewolves were absolutely real in fact he made a cross that he wore around his neck so that he could ward them off <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um and like i said i think there was something I've, I've thought about this i think there was something about the combination of my mom's genetics and his genetics that i got a lot of his sensitivity but i got her <laughs> sensibility sensitivity and sensibility mm. good combination because yeah. you know i uh i've been fairly fortunate that i've had a lot of experiences but haven't really i mean i could have gone down because he was very paranoid and it would have been very easy i could see in a lot of the experiences i've had to get paranoid <laughs> right yeah, sure but i just really don't i mean it's just not a thing yeah. I mean, you know, the government, but besides that, yeah. <laughs> everybody should be paranoid about the government. Okay. Yeah. yeah let's just let's as a honest. standard rule. <laughs> yeah. Rule so, so that was shortly after that, that you ended up picking up and moving then. Yeah. We decided, uh, they decided they'd had enough of the city and we were going to go do the back to nature hippie thing and, um, headed West looking for our, our land, you know, our place to make a stand kind of a thing. Um, and it was a kind of a caravan. It was my, my uncle and my aunt in their 1950, no, 1949 pickup truck with the homemade canopy on the back of it. And our 1957 Ford with the homemade canopy on it that was made out of plywood they'd stolen off of the 
uh, I-90, the Interstate 90 construction project, <laughs> as, a, as a political protest <laughs> to the building of the freeway. Um, so, yeah, so we had, what, five cats? So it was us, five cats, my mom, my dad, me, and five cats in this traveling <laughs> vehicle. Um, but yeah, so we got out to, out to Washington and found that piece of land. My mom still lives there. In fact, she bought an additional 20 acres. We have 40 acres up there. Um, and it was completely undeveloped at all. It was just trees. And this is, uh, you said, is it Colville? Colville. Colville. I differentiate because it's C-O-L-V-I-L-L-E as compared to what's here, which is C-O-L-E. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Right. So no, it's it's Colville, um, north. It's north of Spokane. It's about forty miles from Canada, forty miles from Idaho. Okay. Just to give you a yeah, general quad. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, um, you know, then we realized we were not going to survive the first winter because there was nothing there, and we got there in the fall. I turned four on the property. Mm-hmm. Like my fourth birthday was. Mm a cake that was baked by a campfire, right? With uh, frosting they made out of whatever they had and um, little cowboys and like little, they made a little cabin that they made little canoe out of like actual birch bark because that's what was there. (laughs) That's a legit birthday. And And every kid should experience that. And (laughs) And they put little lichen trees on it. And when they lit the candles, the trees caught on fire. And they were like, put it out, put it out. And I was like, let it burn, you know, because I was four. Um, But anyway, we moved to Seattle for the winter. And my, well, we, number of things, we picked apples in Tenasket and different things. But we got over to Seattle and my dad never saw the property again because it was that fall. It was was the fall of, because we got out there in 72. So it was the f- it was October of seventy three okay. that he that he uh, killed himself. Mm. Um, did you mention? Did you have any siblings? No, too? no one. Okay, but I did, but I ate them. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, no, no siblings. Tell me more. It was the pink children outside the window. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they were tasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like those Hostess snowballs. Snowballs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Podcast got weirdly morbid. <laughs> weirdly morbid. Yeah. It just took a turn. New title. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> weirdly morbid. That yeah. should be a podcast. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, fast forward. Uh, do you want me to go to the next one? Yeah. Okay. Fast yeah. forward uh, to 1978. We had uh, moved back after my dad died, and my mother was just. As you can imagine, she was not in a great state of mind, and we came back to the land. It's the only place we had to go, and so um, we just were going to make a go of it, and we got back there, I think, in the fall of 74. Cool. It was an awesome winter, like three feet of snow, and it was, it was fantastic, but we're 10 miles from town, and it was just me and my mom <laughs> um, on pretty undeveloped land. I mean, it's very weird when I think back, like, how I grew up. It's very strange. Most people can't relate to the idea. I learned how to cook on a wood cook stove. Like that's because we had a wood cook stove, wood heat mm-hmm. stove. There was, you know, we had outhouse. We, we bathed and drank in the winter out of water that we brought in snow that we melted on the stove. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. So I grew up very 
hum, in humble beginnings. Very humble like. beginnings, but very um, almost like pioneer. I mean, it was very pioneer-like. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, what year was this? Seventy-eight. Eight, right? 1842. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, well, let's see. We got back there. We could, we traveled for most of '74, and we got back there in toward the fall of '74. So that's when we, yeah. you know, and to give you an idea, I was five and then six, right? In '74. So um, anyway, yeah. So by 1978, we'd kind of gotten things a little more figured out. Um, started a big garden, and you know, I think we punched the well sometime in there and got power to the well. And then ran, you know what Romex is? It's the mm -hmm. wire for wiring inside of walls. You know, the, 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 the wire that yeah, okay. wire, wire houses with. We had a piece of Romex that ran through the forest, across, the, across through the forest from the pump house over to the house. And we just wow. put a, wired an outlet on the outside of the house. And you had to not trip over the wire on the way to the <laughs> garden. There you go. So we had yeah. that little bit of outlet. Otherwise, everything was propane and kerosene and wood and, you know. Wow. Um, in a little 150-year-old uh, bunkhouse that the local neighbors out there, all because they were all ranchers, the neighbors out there went, well, we got a bunch of hippies over here that are going to die. <laughs> so yeah. they got a flatbed truck. They went out and found this old bunkhouse. The whole community, it was very Amish, came out and they put this mm. two-story bunkhouse and drove it out to our house. And then as a community came and like put it in place and oh, that's really cool. put blocks yeah. under and everything. And that's what I lived in was that for till I was, well, then we started building the house. That's the one she lives in now. Mm. But I mean, I lived in there for years. That mm. was my, that was our house. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so come going forward to 1978. So my mom got to a point where she just didn't want to do the winters out there. So it's sometimes what we would do is go rent out, rent an apartment or a, a, a place in town for the winter. And we rented in the fall of 78, we rented this place that was up 875 and a half North Walnut and called So it's up on the, up on the hill. And it was this, you know, funky, cheap place. Kind of, it was sort of long and thin, kind of like a, like a mobile home, like that shape. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a mobile home, but it was that shape. Sure. Um, and it was on t built on top of like three garages. Okay. Interesting recurring theme in Minnesota, mm -hmm. garage under. This yep. was three garages. Yeah. If I kept going with the theme, it would have been five, and then you know, <laughs> seven yeah. garages, and pretty soon, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we moved into that in the autumn, and I had probably the most significant experience there, and it kind of went like this. My bedroom was at the west end of the house because it was arranged east-west. And it was at the west end of the house and there was a window and a door. Like if you open the door, you could go down these steps because it was up high. But anyway, that was my, point, my POV. And I came into that waking dream state, right? right? And just a note, when I come into that state, one of two things happens. Either I sort of become aware that I'm in that state and then the awareness leads to me ceasing to be in my astral state and going back into my body, which is accompanied by this very, like, imagine a sound that's more than a sound. It's like this intense vibration. And it's like, you know, and, that, and it wakes me up. It's sort of like reintegrating is this 
harmonic that's really intense. It's interesting because I've heard of that before. Uh, like when people leave their bodies and stuff, it's a, it's a, there's it's always a vibration. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that it comes with it. So well, yeah. that's that's how I that's how I come. Like if it's gonna collapse, that's how I know it's collapsing because it'll come up almost like in from my core, and then I'll hear it in my ears, but then I can feel it in my whole body, and it's like ah, well. I came into that, that state in the room and I looked around and it was the time of day that it was, you know, which was night. And I, I, th- I think I was just starting to feel that vibration when all of a sudden my uh, bedroom door was on the south side and seven beings walked into the room in a row and they were which of course kind of startled me, which was great because it stopped the descent a little bit, but the way they came in was very odd. So they were kind of into two, in two separate groups. There was one, one group of three and one group of four. I mean, they came in in a line, but by the time they stopped, there was a group of four on this side and a group of three on this side. One member of the group of four was adult sized. One member of the group of three was adult sized. The the adult in the th- group of three was m- was a man, and he was a man. He looked very classically like my three sons, side part, haircut, you know. And they looked. Did they look human? Or well, they were human, but I'll get to the total okay. description okay, of cool. them. Yeah. Uh, so they go ahead. That's what I was wondering too. Oh. Like, I thought they were the same like pink ones that you saw. Or well, these these were, and I'll get to the bizarrity of it in a second. So they were. They totally looked like a, a, a TV caricature of a traditional man, but like from the 60s, mm. right? And kind of your... Yeah. And then the group of four, the adult was a woman, and she kind of had... I don't know how to describe it. It's the kind of hair, hair that goes like this. So they were like both 60s, kind of from yeah. that era? Both like from the, the same era. the blue book kind of... Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and she was wearing a skirt and a blouse, and he was wearing, you know slacks and a button-up shirt and the thing that was interesting is that the other three in her group were descending in size like they were children and then in his group there were two that were descending in size like they were children but what was strange apart from the last thing which i'll get to is that they were like exact clones of him so they this one looked exactly like him but just shrunk down proportionally the same and then the other one you know the other one so it was like and there was about a difference of three years between them so like this was a three-year-old that was a six-year-old or this was a six actually i think this was a six-year-old in the males this was a six-year-old and that was like a nine-year-old and then in the females it was like three six and nine but they were exactly the same they were like her exactly but just shrunk down now, the notable thing about them <laughs> is that they were made out of aqua blue light. So if you took like aqua blue light and made it into almost like liquid and poured it into a mold of that, of that shape, that's what they were made of. They had no pupils in their eyes, but they had the definition of, of eyes, but there were no pupils. And I remember they were kind of smiling. And I remember the, the thing about it is that it was comical to me at the time. I, that, and that's partially what stopped 
me coming out of the state is I just was like, this is ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculously funny. It's almost like they were trying to present a caricature of a nuclear family that I would under, that I would recognize mm -hmm. as a traditional nuclear family. And, th and but it was just funny, right? Cause <laughs> I came from a hippie family. Almost as funny as Sharon just chewing on the mic. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, not really. That, that sounds like he's chewing on the mic. You know, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna break he's gonna Sorry. break it down. I'm like, I think there's something. Oh, oh, I, I didn't think it. You should you should have you should have done that. Just like what is it? You in, do uh, it right in, into the mic. No, I'm gonna do it again. No, in American yeah. Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> exactly like that. Let's get some celery next time. Carrots. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's because it's a good story, and he's eating popcorn. Yep. Um. <laughs> so I'm uh, so into this, by the way. Just keep going. This yeah. is so exciting. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> I see how you are. Um, so <laughs> anyway, um, and there was this. So I saw them and recognized them. And it was I think it was also important because I've understood some things about the geometry, the numbers and geometry of that arrangement later, much later. And now it all makes much more sense of why they presented themselves in that way. Um, so that was enough of a distraction for me to kind of bring my focus back and realize that I had stopped the transition and I was in that form. And that was the first time I also really realized that I had to not try to move my body because that was the problem. If I tried to move my body, it was going to pull me out. So I just went, and it wasn't really a conscious thought. It was just, I'm just going to stand up. And so I just thought myself standing up and I was standing up in front of them. But in that transition time from me laying down to standing up, they had changed and they were all now, because understand I'm nine at the time. And so I'm however tall you are when you're nine, which is like what, four feet or yeah. something yeah. like that. And they were all adult sized, but they had a lot of those structural characteristics as the children outside my window when I was, you know, two. Um, except that, well, I'm not going to say except that. They had larger eyes. That's the one thing I always remember. Their eyes were more larger. They were larger and more al or almond-shaped. Uh, but I don't want you to think that they're grays because they're not like grays at all. They, there was no... So it wasn't like the full-on kind of black... Uh, no, no. They, they, the they, they, were still they were still blue. I mean, they, they, ever, they, they changed form, but they were still made out of blue. But, blue but their eyes, what? I mean, tend to be uh, full-on black. Is that just, is that only privy to grays, or is that? That's a gray thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a gray thing. You it's know. a gray thing. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. It's a gray thing. <laughs> um, so they had the, the kind of more almond-shaped eyes. They're, in fact, the best description, if you've ever seen depictions of the style of artwork depicting people from the reign of Akhenaten, in, in Egypt, where they have the elong slightly elongated yeah. oh, craniums, yeah. um, longer, thinner necks like Nefertiti. Um, they had a lot of those characteristics. Um, and the, the best way to describe their bodies is that they had no gender of any kind. And they were actually naked this time. They were naked when I stood up. But they were... If you ever think of how Bruce Lee was built, he had a lot of physical strength. But he was very toned, very toned. Mm -hmm. very lean, they very were tough. like that, very lean, but very, very muscular, but very lean. They were like that. 
and but no hair or anything. So the aqua color that you yeah, the same kind of aqua color. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, if you got a chance to look through the yeah. material I shared with you, yeah. Very often I use that color blue in my paintings mm-hmm. and other things because that's what it's where it all comes from. Um, kind of a if you know paint, it's a phthalo blue. It's essentially a phthalo blue uh, color. So anyway, um, and now they're all the same and they're all in a line. And the one that was the dad, that was the one that I ended up interacting with after this. And I, I kind of call him the ambassador because mm-hmm. he was the one I interacted with. And I went over, I was at standing in front of him and he, and I kind of reached up my right hand and then took the three fingers of my, you know, my pointer finger, index, index finger, middle finger, and ring finger, right? Not my pinky or my thumb. And I reached up toward his face and he kind of bent down his left cheek toward me and let me run my fingers, let me touch his cheek and run my fingers down his cheek. And if you've ever put your tongue on a nine volt battery, you ever put a nine volt battery on your tongue? On a daily occasion, but yeah. (laughs) He goes all the time. It's my coffee. Um, (laughs) That's what it felt like, touching shock. his skin. So, so there was an actual electrical charge type of thing. A little bit of a charge. And where my fingers touched his cheek, below his cheekbone, it left lighter blue tracers on his skin. Let me dragging my fingers down like this. And I was just like, this is cool. Like, I remember thinking at the time, this is pretty far out. I mean, I'm interacting with whoever this is. And then he then leaned really forward and turned his head so that his left eye was looking right at me. And I went out of the room into through his eye. And I was suddenly floating in space, basically. And I was in this star field of blue, that same color blue, but blue stars that were drifting past me like, like this. And I was just floating in space. And in the distance, I could see that it almost looked like a fissure like the side view of a galaxy, if you think of like the Milky Way from the side. And, it, and these things were obviously expanding out of that. And I'm floating, and then as I look at it, I start moving toward it, and it's moving faster and faster, and this, these stars are starting to go, almost to the point where they're starting to have like streak trails. And then I go into the center of it, boom, and I'm standing back in my room. <laughs> it was like, okay, I just touched your face, you know, you, I said hi. You said hi. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Chill out with your kind of high. Yeah, that's <clears throat> yeah. And at that point, so I'm standing there going, okay, that was cool. And, they, and at that point, they all turned in a single file line and just started walking out of my room. And I'm like, well, what do I do now? Do I follow? Is it over? Do I yeah. stay? And so I just started following them. And so I follow them. And it's interesting because, of course they're just drifting because they're what I realize is they're basically energy beings and they're just drifting through the house. The house is dark. I'm trying to navigate through the house in the dark without like running into chairs and things. And I had to get by my mother's bedroom and I didn't want to wake her up. So we got into the living room to the front door, which is on the East end. And of course they got to just drift through the door. I had to figure out how to open the door with quietly so I open the door and I go outside and we had this, there was like a little yard because it was on the side of a hill. So there was a little yard in front of our house, but very little. And then there was a little path that went up the bank to the street. Well, they went up 
the path and I was following them, but by the time I got to the top, they weren't there. Now the street is a fairly steep street that drops away, you know, to the south. And basically the house we were in was called 875 and a half because it was on the same property. It was like a sub house of a, of a larger house. And so the driveway that went into the main house came out down the hill just a little bit. Well, right there down the hill, there's a street light, mm -hmm. right? And at that time, there was an open wooded area that was right across the street. There were all the neighborhood kids would go and play. Built some rad jumps, let me tell you, man. <laughs> Did airtime over a... Anyway. <laughs> and when you messed up, you went into the trees, and it was really not unpleasant. Good, yeah, not, was, a good, not a good feeling. It was not a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so, we, so I looked down, and then down there over the street, and it was the width of the street was this dark metallic gray disc that was just floating, like not even floating, it was stationary in the air, kind of where that driveway of the other house came out and right across the street from the neighbors down past the wooded area. It was just, it was just there, suspended in the air. And it was, it was notable. In fact, just recently, um, I've been really trying to isolate exactly what it looked like so that I can draw it. And also because, because of a lot of things that came later, there's a lot of geometry that I've come across since, and I'm trying to see how what I experienced there actually correlates to the geometry. Because I think that, that the, uh, the shape of everything I saw was directly related to this geometry. Mm. So anyway, so it's there, it's about and we went this in April, I went back and I took some people with me to Colville and we actually went to the spot and I told the story on the spot to them. Said this is where the house was and mm. you know and I've never done that before. And we actually measured off the street and the street was twenty five feet wide, which means the disc was twenty five feet wide. And once I understood that, because I've always said that inside the vehicle was well, it's not a vehicle, but We'll call it a vehicle for the sake of argument. Um, I said it was, I always said it was 10 times bigger inside, but it's actually not true. It's actually three times. Mm -hmm. It was three times, I realize now it was it's three times larger inside than it was outside. Anyway, so it's 25 feet across. It's basically a disc. It's got a large kind of like dome bulge on the top of it. So it's kind of dome shaped, but it's got a dome on the top. It's got a subdome, larger dome underneath that comes back from the edge, right? So it's a smaller um, diameter. And then there's a smaller little dome on the bottom. So it's a little small dome with kind of a surface, a, an equator, a larger dome that goes to the truss, and then a, a bigger dome than the small dome on top. Is that, is that clear? Yeah. Okay. And what's, what was weird about it was that no lights or anything. It was just very dull, dark, metallic gray. And it was so, it was affected by the street light. That was part of it. It was being lit by the street light. But, and it was probably the bottom of it. If you went from the bottom bulge to the ground, it was probably hovering somewhere between six and eight feet off the ground. Like, mm -hmm. you know, but again, it's, it's a little difficult because I was nine and so proportional, you know, but if I could guess, I would say it was somewhere between six and eight feet because I know that I could walk under it. And it was pretty smooth in its features. There wa wasn't like any... 
Um, windows you know, or anything no, like no, that? No, no, no. There was no, no, no lights, no windows, no nothing. It was literally just like a solid object. But what was weird about it is that it was completely still. And to the point where like a hurricane would have been, could have been going on. It wouldn't and, have affected it. And you would have been distracted by how completely unaffected this thing was. Almost like it wasn't there. It was visible, but not there. So I come out and they're gone and there's this thing sitting there in the air. And I go, I walk over to it and then all of a sudden I'm inside of it. And like I said, it's like three times larger inside. The odd part was that the whole interior was, if you, everybody know what vacuform, vacuuming is where you heat plastic and you can use a vacuum and it makes shapes like you can vacuform the face ball of a motorcycle helmet, right? Okay. That's usually vacuuming. So if you imagine that it was white, shiny vacuform plastic, but the whole interior was that and there were no seams. There were, it was now no separate pieces. It was all one, one thing. One thing. Mm -hmm. It was all white, except for these, these big, on the inside of the dome, because I was standing, so there was like a mezzanine um, around, and there was, a, there was a bowl in the middle of the mezzanine, and then there was a dome overhead, which explains why there was a bigger dome on the outside and a smaller dome underneath, because that was, it was related in that way structurally. So... I'm standing on the mezzanine and on the underside of the dome, there are these six gigantic screens that are in a hexagonal arrangement. So they literally were seamed together on the other underside of the dome. And what was weird, remember this is 1978, right? 1978, no one would know what a plasma screen television was. They, I don't, no. even think, I don't even think NORAD had plasma screen televisions mm -hmm. at that point. Um, I still don't have one. So <laughs> just side note. Side yeah. note. Um, that's on you. Yeah. Um, so what was bizarre, so I'm standing there, and now the ambassador is standing next to me to my right, and he's now nine feet tall, like very, very large, hmm. but v almost more slender. And it was very odd. The, the one thing I noted was the movement. So if he, when he was, because he was talking to me, but I realized telepathically, like later I was like, oh, he wasn't really moving his yeah. mouth. So he had this kind of strange movement about him where if he turned his head, as soon as his head stopped moving, his hand would start moving. If his hand stopped moving, his finger would move. Like it was a it was perpetual state of motion. And he was still blue. Like he was still blue, only now he was wearing kind of like, you know what a caftan is? It's like a long robe, right? They wear them in Morocco and okay. Egypt. It's kind of like a long robe like that. He was wearing this long sleeved robe thing. And he's, and he's standing next to me and we're looking down into the bowl. And in the bowl, the bowl, the bottom of the bowl is almost like it's terraced. There are, you know, le levels. And on the levels, one of the levels, there are these three podiums that are kind of squared off but they are sort of bent a little bit to match the circle <laughs> um, as I bash myself in the mouth um, anyway so those three podiums are there and they're made out of the same white stuff and they come up waist about waist high to them 
I would have been able to stand behind it, but it was up, you know, waist high. And they had a kind of slightly um, angled top, and they went around, like I said, the center. And there were three beings like him standing at each podium, well, one at each podium. And this is an interesting thing. So sometimes, I understand, I have gone over and over and over and over this experience many times, and I will realize things that it didn't occur to me before. And in this case, I realized just recently, this year in fact, that the beings that were standing at the podiums were white, not blue. Okay. They were still energy, but they were white and wearing almost more like a, like a toga-looking garment. But they were doing this thing, but they were just exactly like him, but they were, their hands were passing over and there, were no, there was nothing on the surface of the podiums, like nothing. It was just smooth and white. And they were moving their hands over it. But I could tell what they were doing in this very graceful way is they were clearly operating something. Like there were, for them, from their point of view, there were, you know, buttons and dials or whatever. Touch screen, which is another interesting thing. They were doing equivalent of what we would call kind of touch screen kind of. Were they actually touching something though or were they hovering over it? They were hovering over it, but you could see that the hand would go and then the finger would move and then, you know, and yeah. then like this and but they would never touched it so those three were doing that and he said some things to me that i don't remember like i could tell he was telling me more things than you know you can remember, than yeah. i can remember but all of a sudden he goes okay look over there and he points at the screen that's across the mezzanine from us he goes look up there he goes i want you to tell me what you see and I looked up and what was very odd is that they were sort of a dull, you know, dull gray color. And when he p told me to look up there, they went from dull to black, just like a plasma screen does when, you, when it turns on, right? And I looked at it, and starting in the lower left corner, there was, there was a sequence of dots that went ding, 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 And then around the dots were circles up here. Lower left, upper right. And then lines connected them, kind of like a network. And it went, dun, 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 dun. and then the next screen over did the same thing, and then the screen behind me did it, and it went around like this. When it came back around, this one went blank. The one across me went blank. And it did it again, but multiplied. The number multiplied. There were way more. And then, that's, and then the same thing happened all around. And it just went like that more and more and more. And it went faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until it was just like, you know, really, really fast. And I just looked at it. And the only thing I could think of is I said, star charts? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the thought yeah. that I had of these star yeah. charts. And he, he looked at me and he went, well, it's time for us to go. And I went, time for us to go? I am so ready to go. Let's go. He goes, no, no, it's time for us to go. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> he goes, you're not ready yet. And, he's, and, I, and I was like bummed, like seriously bummed out. Yeah. And uh, he goes, you're not ready yet. He goes, but we'll be back. And the next, when he said we'll be back, um, so when he said you're not ready yet, I was inside still. And when I kind of had that bummed out thing, we were up on the outside of the disc. Because I remember that view of standing up there on the metallic disc and I could see the ground. Yeah. And then he goes, but we'll be back. And I was standing on the ground. And then I woke up in my bed. 
like right then. And I immediately jumped up and ran to the window because I knew exactly where they should be. Yeah. And I looked out there and they weren't there. Well, as I was telling uh, the Johnny, okay. the host, um, I, th- this is not something that happened then and then that was a thing that happened and it was over. This has been an ongoing thing my whole life. With the same group of people same species yeah yeah same beings um and i've come to understand more and more things about that experience the farther from it i get and the more i kind of understand other things so um and they're all uh, all of these experiences have been kind of a positive experience yeah oh uh, that's that's the one thing I, i should say absolutely benevolent positive never it's there's nothing ever frightening negative there's no probing like there's no, nothing, <laughs> nothing like that ever. We were going to go into that. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to ask you're going to, you're going to go gonna in. ask about how you're, you're going to go we're into the go probing. In. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We're going to um, <laughs> probe you with questions. <laughs> I have to go now. Um, <laughs> so all, all these experiences are, you think they're tied to like, like cause he, he, he said that they're, you felt that they're all the same beings. Oh, the, I know they are. But the first one was that you, you described them as pink and now, now they're, blue but then white and i've al- recently also come to understand that um each time that you came in contact with these beings or even the ship did you ever have any physical did you feel anything physical like nausea headaches because i've heard people coming out of these things having like migraines after a certain period of time or you know feeling nauseous immediately after things like no, that no and I think that part of the reason for that, like I said, there's a, there's a good deal I've come to understand in the many years since then about what was actually happening that during that period of time. Um, I should make a note of two other things that happened that summer before we moved into town. One was, um, you know, like I said, we lived in a big rancher community. So there were these big community picnics, right? And my mom was really into kind of natural foods and, you know, think granola hippie, right? And she really wasn't a really a bread meat eater anyway. She kind of more was into fish things. And so we didn't have a lot of meat around, right? But there was no rule that said I couldn't have meat. It was just, right, just wasn't there, wasn't available. So when there was these big community picnics, I was able to go have literally everything that I wasn't normally supposed to have, right? I could have soda pop and, you know, all the kinds of things that they have at those kind of, you know, chips and all sorts of stuff. So I'd gone to this picnic that summer and it was sort of uh, our property was down the hill and you had to go across this big alfalfa field up to where they were having the picnic. And I was I was a kid that always ran around barefoot like I still do that now, but not in the city, in the house. In fact, I'm going to do Lake Blanche. I'm going to hike Lake Blanche barefoot. That's, a, that's my next big Ooh. hike. Wow. It's ambitious. So, because um, I like barefoot, it's, it's comfortable. It's good for mm-hmm. you, too. Yeah. Oh, it's very good. It's like mm-hmm. really Absolutely good. is. So, anyway, I'm up, th- up at, this, at this picnic, and it's kind of starting to wind down. And they had these two big, giant, massive grills where they were making hamburgers and hot dogs and things. And they put a bunch of hamburgers on, but people weren't eating them at the end. And they were just going to chuck them. And I said, well, can I have them? And they said, sure. So I, they gave me this stack of like six or so, um, you know, hamburger patties that were cooked. And I left the picnic and I was walking across the field 
the alfalfa field and I got about halfway across and I felt kind of weird. Like it was almost like I felt like I was dreaming a little bit. The way I describe it is the world took a step back. Okay. And very, very clearly I I stopped and very clearly this voice said to me, this is not for you. And I looked at the hamburger and it was very clear that that's what the voice was talking about. I dropped him in a gopher hole, which I'm sure I always thought about that later. There's probably some really annoyed gopher going, dude, really? Yeah. Anyway, but I dropped him in the gopher hole and I've never eaten meat since. Wow. I've been a vegetarian since age nine mm. for the weirdest reason you'll ever hear for being a vegetarian, which is a voice came to me when I was a child and said, this is not for you. Doesn't matter what anybody else. It's not ethical. It's none yeah. of those things. So it's yeah. just, this is not for you. Do you think that was uh, tied to these? Absolutely. Because I, I so know. So this time was just the voice that it wasn't. That, it yeah, wasn't this was. Well, this is this was the summer, like within a month or a month and a half from when this, this the thing happened. Um, and then the other thing that was very weird, you know, it's nature. And this could be more coincidence, except we had there was this that summer there was this huge flock of ravens gigantic flock of, like two three hundred ravens which if you know for a flock of ravens is actually a lot not crows ravens full-on ravens and they were there that summer and one th- i was standing outside my mom's house or our house and i was looking east and i watched that big flock of ravens come down and land on the hill you know over across the way and I was looking at it, and then they all took off like starlings. They all took off at one time, and right in the middle of them was a white raven, an albino raven. And I checked with everybody, because it was there all summer, this flock, and no one else ever reported or saw the white raven. I'm the only one who ever saw it. And I went, and I remember at the time feeling that sort of disassociated feeling, going, there's something weird about this Mm -hmm. so anyway those two things occurred but what's interesting in fact this now that i'm doing i used to go i was going started going to the pool recently just to exercise but it's become a meditation process and during the meditation process in the pool recently in fact a day before yesterday i was really thinking about the vehicle or the vessel or whatever you want to call it the disc because I realized it wasn't, a, it wasn't a vehicle. That's not what it is. It's more like an intersection. It's like a room that exists that allows for, it's almost like a portal, more like a portal than a vehicle. Um, but I was really, I've been really working on what it, remembering what it actually looked like, like what the structure of it is. I know what the general structure is, but really trying to pull the clear memory back into my head of what that looked like so I can render it. I want to draw it because I want to be able to see if it correlates to the geometry. So I'm going to be playing with the geometry and seeing how much the, the natural geometry actually defines what I saw. Mm. Anyway. So that one that you saw, is that the only time that you saw that? Saw that? that? Yeah, I saw that. was that time. But so in the pool, because I swim across the back and forth across the bottom of the pool, and I'll come up on the edge and I'll sit and I uh, you know, hang on the side of the e- on the edge. And I was looking up the other day and over the pool was just really imagining it, the vehicle being there. And all of a sudden, the experience, the memory of the dots and the circles going across the screen came very clearly back into my head. And I went, 
this was a what if, right? I went, what if every one of those circles and dots actually represents one of these vehicles? That it really isn't a star chart. It's a network of portals, essentially, that are interconnected. Mm. But that are actually only one. But what they're doing is they're bending space-time to, to appear to be in multiple places at different times and different spaces, but they're really not. It's all one thing that they can bring through that portal. But because they probably exist in a nonlinear space-time, they can experience all of it at one time, but they can also separate it out into separate experiences. So basically, the conclusion I've come to is that, first of all, are they extraterrestrials? Meaning, are they not here? Well, yeah. But I've actually come to the conclusion that they are trans-dimensional beings more than they are extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. They m are able to move in and out of different dimensions. spaces, different yeah. dimensions. The colors. That was one that actually came during the filming of Alien Country. One day I got up to go drive down to Spanish Fork, and all of a sudden... I had this, um, I, you know what chakras are? You familiar yeah. with chakras? Yeah. So I had this chakra chart on my wall. And I looked at it one day and I realized that the, um, what is it? Uh, seven, six, fifth chakra, which is the throat chakra, mm -hmm. is their color blue. Oh, that, that mm. aqua it's teal. It's that aqua teal blue. Mm, and I went, of course it is, because that's when they're communicating with me. In other words, the colors have to do energetically with what's going on, right? So why were they pink? Mm -hmm. Because that's closer to root chakra, which is all about fear and foundation. They were actually communicating with me from a base foundational root chakra mm -hmm. energy. Then in 1978, they were communicating. It was all about communication. It was literally about, do I understand? You know, do, can I communicate? Mm -hmm. And then we get into the vehicle, and the three of them are white which is all of it as one harmonious color, right? Mm -hmm. It's all the presence of what is it in pigment. White is the absence of all color. Mm -hmm. in, in light, it's the presence of all color, right? Yeah. And there's got to be a correlation with feeling that vibration and the alignment of chakras. When you're talking about that vibration, you hear that a lot in people that meditate and practice. Yeah. Right. These, uh, well, that's where they do the yogi right? Yep. And those create that frequency yeah. creates that. Yeah, which is interesting because really I've, I've that's never all sound is too. Anyway. I've never seen it's interesting when you think when I think about that oh and then it was very weird because mm -hmm. I got on like literally I had that epiphany and then I had to get on the road to drive to Spanish Fork down to set yeah. and I got on the freeway and I'm not kidding I got on the freeway down the ramp merged onto 15 southbound and right in front of me was a was a van that had been wrapped you know a wrap like mm -hmm. the, a, yep. one, a vinyl wrap <laughs> and it was Blue Raven Solar, and it was that color. And I went, okay, that's a little on the nose. Okay, yeah, I get it, all right? I understand yeah. what you're trying to say. But, I mean, literally, I merged onto traffic, moved traffic, and I was behind that vehicle past Point of the Mountain. And it was the color, and it was Blue Raven mm. Solar. I went, okay, well, that was weird. Um, <laughs> I get a lot of that, though. I have a lot of weird. Happens often. Anyway, but the thing that I also put together was the star field. When I went through his eye, the star field had the same overall pattern 
as the randomness of the circles and dots. And I went, that's why I wasn't ready because they showed me the real thing, which is the star, star, but they're not stars, they're intersections essentially, they're intersections in probability. So each one of those would have represented one of these, like ships or portals or something. Right? Portals, and they let me, they pulled me out because that's the thing, I went through his eye, right? It pulled me out of this experiential intersection and gave me the objective view of all of them. And so I'm looking at that and I just was in the pool and I went, oh, that's why I wasn't ready yet because they showed me the real thing and then showed me the two-dimensional TV model TV yeah. model of it and I didn't put it together. I didn't put together that what they just showed me was this, these were the same thing and that what I was inside of at the time was one of those mm. intersections. They were trying to see if I could put it all together and I didn't. So they're like, going, yeah, well, you're not ready yet. And there's another... Um, Brief deviation. I mean, I guess you were nine. So yeah, I was going to say nine. Yeah. This nine well, you said when you saw it outside, it was in an intersection. It was literally on the street, right? Yeah, that's a very good point that I've never thought of until you said <laughs> See, it right now. Well, is that why? That's why they're like helping you, trying to like visualize, like giving you same with the colors, right? Like something that we understand as humans. That's why they're trying to like just give you these. They were, they were, they were, they were. Apparently, I'm, I'm. Um, <coughs> special needs and so they were doing everything they could <laughs> colors and shapes yeah <laughs> they go now just put the put the cube in the square hole yeah. um so i have kind of a personal question like for you with, with all that do you hey 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 i'm just kidding <laughs> do you ever feel that it's somehow tied with your father have you ever had like a feeling that any of that's ever tied with your in what way that he's reaching out to you maybe or do you believe in any of that do you he um so I think that he is okay. Let me let me put this in a in a way that will make some sort of sense. When I when in the early '90s, I asked someone who was a friend of mine to do who knew how to do past life regression, mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm very interested in that. Even if it's not past life, I just like to do a regression back to that incident to see what is recorded, you know, in my head. And we did that. And so she took me back and took me back. And she took me back. She goes, okay, when you were nine, da-da-da-da-da. And there was nothing, nothing. Like it was blank. Hmm. And I went, that doesn't, kind of doesn't surprise me because I could see it being a protected file. Yeah. Well, when we got back to, she goes like this. She goes, okay, we're going to take you into the womb. And we went into the womb. I had the weirdest thing happen. I remember being in the womb and doing this thing with my hands. I went like this with my hands and these little tetrahedrons came out of my hands. Uh, seven of them, I think, came out of my hands and then they, I was playing with them like with levitation. They were spinning around in circles and I was doing things with them and then they went back into my hands. And I remembered at that point, I could hear my mother. My mother was very young and she was kind of freaking out because she was pregnant and I didn't know. Um, <laughs> let me smack the microphone again. Um, could you eat a Pringle just to, as a distraction? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, but I remember telling her, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay because this really isn't about you. Like I told my mother that. And then the person who was doing the thing said, where were you before? 
and that's when it got strange. <laughs> Where were you before this? Yeah. And, and I went, and I immediately started speaking in the collective we. It was no longer I, it was we. And I said, we've been, we've been always very, we've been very curious about this planet for a long time. <laughs> I kind of remember myself saying this too. It's like, we're very, we've been very curious about, you know, and basically wanted to come here. And I found myself laying on a slab in a weird stone slab in a weird dark stone room, um, like I was dead or asleep. And it was something about being a navigator. And I started explaining that the, that the reason that most people were seeing flying saucers, the, re the reason they're saucers is that they are actually energy construct vehicles and they react to the gravity. So the truth is they're actually spherical. But when they get closer to a mass, they flatten out because the, oh, the, 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 the gravity compresses them. Mm. Um, and that it really is more like a room that you can, it's like Dropbox. You can walk in one side and you can walk in from the other side and those are different places, right? Well, even the earth is a prime example because most people say it's actually oval shaped. It will, yeah. Yep. In the astrophysics world. And Which would make sense because of the sun. Anyway. Um, so anyway, long and short of it is that I definitely was not here. And one of the, one of the interesting weird things, I'm, I'm very interested in, in history and archaeology and those sorts of things, especially mythology and creation myths. Creation myths are very, very interesting to me. Mm. Uh, or cosmogony as it's, as is the real term, cosmogony. Um, and I started finding these strange correlations. The Egyptian creation myth is about eight primordial beings that in a circle essentially are across from each other. And it was the negative space inside of them that produced matter and light and mm. the world, right? So they were like, it was like anti-matter, anti-matter sort of interaction, right? I found something very similar in Norse mythology. I found something very similar in Chinese mythology. I started finding this repeating thing mm. about the eight with a center. And I thought about that with the seven that came in the room. And it occurred to me, I went, there were the, th the four females and the three males, right? Then you was the eighth. And then I'm the eighth. Yeah. So my suspicion is, and it is a question more than a suspicion, am I one of them? Have I simply, am I simply inhabiting a spacesuit, a spacesuit? Mm -hmm in mm -hmm. this little intersectional construct because I'm the explorer here. I'm the observer explorer here. Mm. And that they are staying in contact with me, right? Because I'm still part of their collective, right? And it's also this whole other thing about triangles and tetrahedrons and the tet a triangle is the simplest way to define a circle. It's the simplest geometric shape to define a circle, right? A tetrahedron, which is a three-dimensional triangle yeah. is the simplest geometric way to define a sphere. And in theoretical mathematics, a tetrahedron produces its opposite interwoven with it. So if, if tetrahedron, you know what a tetrahedron is? Like a pyramid? It's like a pyramid, mm -hmm. but it's a pyramid that has a triangle on the bottom as opposed okay. to a square. Okay. So it's four sides and they're all equilateral mm -hmm. triangles, right? Well, if you go from the point through the center it goes through the center of the opposite triangle and establishes another point, which means I'm saying just the mathematics does that. 
So it will create the opposite tetrahedron woven through the tetrahedron, which creates a figure with eight points. So I think what the Egyptians and others were actually talking about is not a flat surface with eight on it. I think they're actually talking about that structure with the eight points with a center in the middle, which would go back to the circles on the screen with the dot in the center. It's a sphere, because what is a circle? A circle is a two-dimensional representation of a sphere in three-dimensional space, right? Mm -hmm. So what they really were talking about were spheres, and that ties into the star field. What, well, those were spheres of light, right? Spheres of light that I was going by. Mm. So I just put that all together in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> so it never really stops. Um, how are you? Uh, we're good. We still. We got like ten. I mean, I mean, let's just take the rest of the time to just kind of reflect on like every, like the stories that you've. Told well, do you want to so hear far. the last story? Oh, we got another one. There's I'm one. Sure, I'm sure you have. Like, no, no. There's yeah. one more that's related to this site. So all of this. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just pause and start? We've got eight minutes right now. Unless you can do it in ten minutes. I don't know. I can try. If I can't, we can pick up. Okay. <laughs> so, um, then in 1996, um, I, had, I was done with college. I'd gone back to Colville because I went to college in Olympia, Washington. I went, to, went back to Colville, and I was working at somebody. I was working at the high school with the, with the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wasn't working with her. She was the head of the art department, and I was a in one-on-one individual assistant. So I worked with kids that the school district thought would be a problem. So I would be assigned those kids um, and work with them one-on-one. Well, I was in this house that I'd rented, and I, was la- I laid on this couch one day. And I was laying on the couch, and I have this problem that if I fall asleep during the day, especially if, the, if it's light, like there's sunlight out, I will almost always come into a waking dream state. I can, I can make myself go into a waking dream state if I fall asleep, when, especially if it's warm, mm-hmm. because it's miserable. I mm-hmm. get miserable that way. It's uncomfortable. I feel hot and sweaty. and mm-hmm. bad. But it will move me into that state. Well, I was laying on the couch, and I fell asleep, and I had four dreams in a row. And it was odd because the four dreams in a row... I noticed that in the first dream, I kept hearing this repeating thing in the background that I couldn't quite follow. I didn't know what it was, but I could tell it was repeating. Second dream, I was picking out that it was words. Like it was, it was, a, it was like a, I don't know, it was, it was a, a repeating stanza. Third dream, I started realizing that parts of it rhymed, right? Mm-hmm. Fourth dream, I heard the whole thing. And in the fourth dream, there were all these aliens running around in the dream and when I and when I woke up I completely remembered it I remember it to this day it said when I was young I left the path to find the truth of free I searched until I found a pool beneath an ancient tree I stood atop six circling stones to see what I could see behold I spied a one-eyed fool winking back at me that formed out of wherever over th- four dreams, woke up. That I've also realized later was actually a precursor to what came next, <laughs> which was one day, so I had told this teacher friend of mine about what happened when I was nine. And about, I don't know, a week or two weeks later, she comes into 
school in the morning. It's like 7.30. She goes, ugh. I said, well, how how'd you sleep? And she said, not very well. Why? She goes, well, your little blue buddies came and visited me last night. And I went, oh, wow. <laughs> I went, really? She goes, yep. I'm dreaming along, minding my business. My dream just fades to black. And two blue beings come up to me and go, we're really sorry to interrupt. But... We really need to get this to him, and he's not listening. <laughs> wow, breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point, she, she said that all of a sudden, a whole, very fast, a whole sequence of symbols went <laughs> out of the dark, you know, out of the black, and they were blue. And they went, <laughs> and then she was like, Ugh, she went back to sleep. And I go, well, what were they? She goes, mm, just a second. And she opened up her notebook and she went, just a second. And literally in 20 seconds wrote down a line and another line of, of characters. And the first line was seven characters followed by a single character followed by four characters. And the bottom line was six characters kind of offset underneath the the original seven and then one one separate character over here and she wrote them down very very fast but she remembered what they yeah. were yeah i was gonna say she retained all of that yep in that one instance mm. talking about characters as like in the alphabet or like no they just were like, just like characters. alien characters right? there were they were yeah. there are a variety they're in the squigglies did yeah. you see them yeah um <laughs> yeah he shared the file to you too so you can yeah see all this um so it's in dropbox so I looked at it, and because of a lot of kind of thought experiments and things I've been doing in college, I recognized a lot of the geometry in them. I was like going, that, okay, no, this looks like this, and this looks like that. I was like, mm -hmm. But I went, I don't quite get it. Is there any more information? And she went, she goes, hang on. She closed her eyes. She goes, hang on. And she went and wrote in 15, 20 seconds a second set. So the first line was seven characters followed by seven characters so it was 14 characters and then there was a space and she wrote one two yeah two characters in that space and then a line below that was a character a character wait a character just a second because it was the yeah the, the w and the hand and then oh and then wrote the word raven and then wrote and then there was this other symbol that was like a sun with a dot and then the word big deer and the word frog. But they were written words. Hmm. And I went, okay. And I looked at it and I said, well, that was helpful but not helpful. <laughs> um, and so she gave it to me. She ripped it out of her notebook. Here you go. Okay. <laughs> so I took it and I have been, I have contemplated and studied that since 1996. I, st I don't have the original anymore because it was written on recycled paper and it written in purple ink and it literally disintegrated. But I made photocopies of it hmm. before. And so what you see in there is a digital version of the photocopy that I then, based on her description of the dark, I just reversed it so that the black lines were white hmm. and the background was black yeah. and tweaked it blue so that it was as close to what she described how they came in the first place. And that's how I contemplate them. I have a blow up of it that I keep in a frame on my wall mm. at home just to really look at cool. and reference. Um, 
but the level if so let's go devil's devil's advocate right she made it up right let's just say she made it up sure if she made it up the elegant geometry in it once i started to understand how it mechanically worked then then full points to her bully to her because um it is very sophisticated and very complex it's all about triangulation and it creates a whole system of interactive triangles inside of hexagons (laughs) it's very complex so those are what she wrote were essentially seeds that once you understand the mechanics you start to realize that they're seeds that actually are part of larger Mm -hmm. geometric constructs picture Mm. yeah so and then down below, and one of the things, one of the things below was a verification. And the verification, I realized years later, was it showed one of them is a hand like this, and above it is an eye. It's me touching his face. It was, mm-hmm. it was a little indicator of saying, mm-hmm. yep, this is what happened when you're nine. Just so you know, it's us. And then there's a little scarab on one side. And anyway.
in 2006, I had uh, I'd worked in the film industry in L.A. for seven and a half years, and I burned out in L.A., which is easy to do. And I'd gone to Sedona just to kind of chill. And I was living there. And in 2006, I was sitting on my porch, and I was working on a commission for someone, an art commi- a painting commission for someone, and I had to do a lot of thinking about it. And in the process of thinking, I started... I mean, it was... It was intense. It was the, one of the first times ever in meditation that I got so I went so far down the internal rabbit hole that I looked up and I the world didn't look real. Like I I felt completely disassociated, and th- everything was kind of shiny, you know, like when you use a diffusion filter, you know, mm-hmm. and polarizing filter, right? <coughs> so anyway, I was sitting there and. I looked at the message, and, and there's a spiral. But one of the things is a spiral. And for some reason, I locked onto the spiral. And it made me think about this archaeological site uh, called Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, which was the center of the Anasazi world. And they found a calendar there. And the calendar is very, very sophisticated. It's, a, it's a, probably one of the most sophisticated paleo calendars in the world. It measures um, time by the noonday sun, not the rising, and okay. not stars. It uses the sun and the moon. Um, and it's basically three slabs of stone leaning against a wall. Under those slabs, um, there, there's a spiral with eight or 19, cur- 19 turns cut in the spiral. And it's got a little spiral on the upper left. And at noon, on the summer solstice, a dagger of light goes right through the center of the spiral and then retracts up. On the winter solstice, a dagger of light goes to the middle and a little dagger of light goes to the spiral on the side. On the equinoxes, it does something very similar. Uh, I think the vernal equinox, it does two daggers on either side and one little dagger through the center. And on the autumn equinox, it does just two daggers of light. Now, if you know anything about the engineering required to make three slabs of stone create that specific pattern of light, it's incredibly sophisticated, Mm -hmm. right? Based on different times of year, right? Well, that circle, the spiral, also has 19 turns on it. Well, it turns out that um, the moon, the orbit of our moon, right? So the moon goes around the Earth, right? But in its orbit, it has a wobble. The whole orbit wobbles, and it wobbles by 10 degrees, about, approximately 10 degrees. Well, that 10-degree wobble, it takes 18.65 years for it to complete the wobble. So it's a very slow wobble. But there are 19 spirals, 19 turns on the spiral. And it also turns out that if you go to that site under the full moon... The full moon creates daggers of light that will intersect over a 19-year cycle where the moon is in that wobble. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. Wow. So that's solar lunar coordinated calendar that has been working precisely since at least 870 A.D. Wow. And so I'm sitting, and what they call it the wa- in the wobble, when it gets to its northernmost extent of the wobble, they call that a minor standstill. Because it stops before it starts to go back, right? So this is a minor standstill. When it gets to the lower part, it's the major standstill. 2006 just happened to be a major standstill year. Right? We're at a major standstill. Um, and for some reason, excuse me, 
<coughs> for some reason, it just hit me that that, that, and the spiral, and I started going like this. I went, well, wait a minute. If this is a major standstill, that means that 18.65 years ago, there was another major standstill, right? And I correlated that back, and I went, okay, that's 1987, roughly, from 2006. And then I went, well, when was the last minor standstill? And I counted back, and it was 1996, the year the message came, yeah. right? Mm. And I went, okay, well, what was the last minor standstill before that? 1977, 1978. No way. The last major standstill before that 72? was 1969. I was born in 68. I was born, and I realized the standstill cycles last about three years. The middle, the, like the influence of it. And guess what else happened in 1969? We landed on the moon and Woodstock. So the culmination of the entire 60s, whether you were counterculture or whether you were part of the space race thing, all happened within a month of each other in 1969, which was right almost exactly during a major standstill. And so at that point I went, so that's why they spread it out because they were actually showing me that there was a rhythm that I had to understand. There was a larger cycle rhythm. So I started thinking about that. And I, so w w in 2019, I sat down. I said, you know what? <coughs> Pardon me. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to use 2006 as my year zero because I know when the, stand when the standstill happened then, the, the major standstill. So I'm going to start measuring back mathematically, calculating back, and see how things fall. It was insane when I started actually doing it because I realized not only... So there are three things in this cycle. There's a major standstill. There's the minor standstill. Well, actually, it goes minor, major, and in between is a trough, essentially a transitional period between them, right? Mm -hmm. <coughs> and I started realizing things about the troughs. There was a major or a minor standstill right at the beginning of the 60s. Right? <laughs> Excuse me, just a second. No, you're, mm -hmm. you're fine. <coughs> Too much talking and air conditioning. <coughs> there was a major or a minor standstill. What happened? Eisenhower was replaced by Kennedy. Kennedy was the optimism president. We're going to go to the moon. We're going to change the world, right? <coughs> the minor standstill cycle ended went into a trough and he was killed in the trough he was assassinated in the trough mm. and then <clears throat> all the things that he said equal rights right uh, equ um, you know uh, the <coughs> <coughs> they don't want to talk about it, apparently yeah um, but Vietnam got worse and all these things happened and then there's this major standstill where everything he said in the, during the minor standstill happened in the major standstill. Everything. Equal right, you know, the um, um, <coughs> civil rights, the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. 68, right? All was codified by what? 
Martin Luther King's assassination really made him into a mar martyr, which suddenly made everything that was going on, it brought it into focus, right? It said, yes, mm -hmm. and this must change, right? Then you had Woodstock, which was the culmination of the hippie, the whole hippie thing, and it really was the high point. Everything diminished after Woodstock, like the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what major standstills do. <clears throat> they manifest everything that was thought about over here, mm -hmm. manifest it, and then wash it away so that a new cycle can start. So what was happening in the, when I had my experience in 78, 77, 77, 78? Everything happened. Probably one of the most significant films in the history of films came out on May 25th, 1977, and it changed everything, and that was Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Star Wars changed. It was the first blockbuster. It was the first film people ever went and saw 12, 14 times. Lines around the blocks. That was Star Wars. It, it, was a, it was so culturally significant. If you think about like people go, oh, Star Wars. Star Wars brought into social public, pu public popular consciousness ideas that are essentially Zen Buddhism. Mm -hmm. They're, it's, it's Bushido. It's, it's all of these concepts that because if you talk about it, Zen Buddhism, you know, middle America isn't going to get it. Mm -hmm. But if you talk about it as the force in the context of light and dark, and da, 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 which I saw it when I was eight in the theater. I saw it the second week it was out in 1977. And I, it was blowing people. Like, you have no idea the level of mind-blowing that that movie did. Mm. <clears throat> and then Empire Strikes Back just amped it up. And then everybody was let down by Return of the Jedi. But that's another story. Well, that also yeah. set the stage for Alien to be made, if I'm... Oh, yeah. I, I remember there was some, like, correspondence where Alien was going to be too hard to get made or something. Yep. And something happened on that forefront. And it was, it, well, it was uh, Star Wars basically took the B-movie concept and turned it into something else. But there was also this whole consciousness shift where people were suddenly okay with meditation and with a lot of things, people mm -hmm. that wouldn't normally be okay with it. Um, it also changed uh, merchandising. You realize he was the first person to ever merchandise a movie. And that was the one thing. They paid him $400,000, I think, to make the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he said, okay, that's fine, but you're going to give me control the of, the, of, the, of the licensing. And mm -hmm. they were like, sure, because they didn't, you know, 20th Century Fox didn't care. It made him a billionaire, <coughs> right? They still make, I mean, to yeah. this day, like, what? It's insane. It's mm -hmm. insane. But it, it was a definitely a game changer. The other movie that came out um, right that same time was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And it was the first movie ever to portray the whole idea of UFOs like Project Blue Book, all these mm -hmm. things that had were not being talked about, and it portrayed the extraterrestrials as positive. Mm -hmm. Aliens were always portrayed in movies as a threat and negative and da 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 da. da. Mm -hmm. This was the first movie where they went, no, this could be a thing, right? That was all in '77. There were a lot of other things that went on that you could go into that were like cultural changing paradigms, right? <clears throat> and then you get, you know, um, into the into the 80s, into 87, 87, 88 was the was the um, major standstill. 
it's kind of a, a weird thing for me because to me the the what I call the swell, the minor standstill, is almost of more significance than the major standstill. It's like these are the ideas. What was the cycle again? Mm. How many years? Eighteen, you said. Um, it's eighteen point six five years to go from um, uh, minor minor to minor, minor, to minor. Mi- so minor back to minor. Yeah. So <coughs> minor to major is half that. Minor to major is nine point three uh, something like that. So. I, are you saying every minor and major standstill you had, that's when they contacted? Well, the the during the minors, that's when the they that's when they, they were contacting me. So, are you when's the next minor? Um, okay, so we just ended a major. Actually, it's very funny. When I did the calculation in 2019, I went forward in time just to see, right? And I went well. Troughs, it turns out, are all about, tra- they're they're transformative. It's how you take an idea. You know, like you have, you drew a draw, drawing on the paper, right? But then you say, I'm going to get in the car and go to Home Depot and I'm going to buy the materials. That mm-hmm. action of getting in the car and going is, is the step toward actualization, right? That's the transformative act mm-hmm. where this is an idea. This is a concept. This is the beginning of the, of the manifestation, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when we came out of this last cycle, which was 2015, 2016, it was right in that area. Um, and... I was watching what was happening on the larger scene, right? Not just to me personally, but what was happening in a larger <laughs> state. And it was, and, and I went, when they were having the election, this was during the election, I went, I went and the one thing that's going to happen here that nobody expects is that Donald Trump is going to get elected because no one believes at all that this will happen. But there are a lot of people who, were, who were, had the thought form I don't know what it is, but we need to do something different than what's been going on. I don't, good or bad, we need to do something different than what's going on. And Donald Trump won. And I went, yep, that makes perfect sense. And then we were coming up because the last trough was last summer, last June. And I went, and in fact, at the beginning of the year, I went, I was telling people, I'm going, well, it could get kind of interesting in June. And I go, why? Because it's the bottom of a trough. And the last time we were at a bottom of a trough like this, the Twin Towers fell. <laughs> that, wow. That's the equivalent trough yeah, to this yeah. trough. And I went, yep. And then all of a sudden, COVID, COVID happens. And then the downs. riots and all this stuff. And I'm going, yep, it's going to get pretty interesting here mm-hmm. in June. And we were g- coming right up on, on the summer solstice in June. And I'm going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I said, watch, after June... It's going to start to diminish. It's going to still be gone for a while, but it's going to start to diminish. As we headed into the election cycle, what happened? The riots became less of a thing. They were still, you know, Portland, but Portland's stupid. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that was going on, and then we're getting closer, and it's like, oh, and of course, you know, and I, I already predicted it. I said, yep, he's going to lose the election, but we're going to come out of this trough. We come out of this trough in 2022. I think I have to go look at my charting. It's either 2022 or 2024. We come out of this trough and I went, well, yep. And then we're going to be into because that was a that was a that was a swell or essentially a a minor standstill. We're going to come into a major standstill, which means all the things that were projected during the minor standstill are going to manifest. We're going to I anticipate that this next wave is going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. In a good way? Or <laughs> I'm just going to say interesting. <laughs> Not, well, you know, the truth is I don't really view any of it as being good or bad. I kind of view it as just there are cycles and trends. Mm-hmm. Well, like you say, it's transformative, too. So it could be yeah. 
transformative. I mean, you know, the, the caterpillar probably thinks that, you know, dying and becoming the butterfly is bad. Mm -hmm. But the butterfly says, well, no, it's not bad. It's just very, very different. Yeah. We're changing your experience, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that's uh, essentially that's the little tidbit that came out of there. And it's just continued. The whole thing with the message and everything has continued from there. And it's still going. Like, I think a big part of, just to sum up, I think a big part of what all this has been is that they were trying to get certain parts of my brain working in a way that it would create a perpetuation of the ideas, that, that, I, would, that I would become more and more in alignment with this, because it's definitely higher frequency stuff. Like, I'm not, when I have a period of time where I'm having a lot of insights, the world gets bizarre. Yeah. Very, very bizarre. Mm -hmm. So, questions? That's really <laughs> interesting. Yes, you in the back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot. I mean, do you still... So, you started taking sacred geometry in college, you said? That's... I was... Or looking into it? I was it? looking into it. I was studying sacred mm -hmm. geometry to a degree. But just geometry and mathematics in general. Mm -hmm. um, just as... But from the point of view of an artist. Because that's what I fundamentally am, is an artist. Which is another reason why I think that they kind of came to me is that, you know, Einstein did it with numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it with numbers. I'm doing it with art, art, with visuals. It's more about what you can actually see, right? Same kinds of thing. Yeah. yeah. That's why with uh, shapes and colors, they yeah, make sense. Have you ever kind of like felt a push to kind of show those symbols to like some other people? like maybe some professors or someone that are more affiliated with that? I have absolutely uh, had out. that feeling, but I, I, what it was, I... Where is that? I can't find it It's anymore. in your mouth. <laughs> Raven sent it to you. <coughs> is um, in that folder? I... It's not that, is it? No, that's our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I, feel, I felt like I wanted to do that once I understood what I was, a little more about what I was showing them, like my own understanding. And I'm getting there. Okay. Um, but what happens is every time I do that, all of a sudden I have new revelations about it all, and it makes much more sense. Mm -hmm. And then I get lost down that rabbit hole, and then I go, oh, right, because what I was doing was, um, oh, the one thing I was going to say is that um, uh, I am uh, collaborating in many ways with a, a, a wonderful human being named Jessica Myrup. And we are going to take the experience especially the thing when I was nine, but with elements of the rest of it. And we're going to, she's an artist too. We're going to write a children's book in that format about my experiences. Because I feel like, A, it's a great format, very visual, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I can include all kinds of symbology and elements and things from it as just background elements, right? Sure. Um, but I feel like it could also be very helpful to other children because I think that children very often have non-ordinary experiences and the adults around them who are not in alignment with it poo-poo it or, you know. They tell them to get practical or. Or they or tell them, oh, it's a dream. It's a dream, yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. I go, what if, they, what if a child could have a children's book that was this adventure that when they got to the end of it realized it was based on something that actually happened? Mm -hmm. Right. It'd be cool. That would be really, really cool. interesting. So That's, we're. That, would, that could bear a whole new generation of artists in general. Yeah. Ab absolutely. So we're, 
we're a very pre-stage. I've got to still sit down and figure out how to break down that story into small segments so that we could break it into pages. Yeah. Right. So that we could, you know, make it into just thinking about the formatting as a book. And we're, we're actually going to collaborate on it. She's going to do the artwork of me and them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do borders above and below that ha- probably that have symbology and other things in them, you mm. know, from it to sort of talk about in a almost hieroglyphic way what energetically is going on in those moments. Where is the, the photocopy of the... Um, the, uh, the photocopy? I don't know if there's a picture of the photocopy in there. But oh, okay. Here. Yeah, I was really curious to see that. I can is that it? Yes, that's the message right there. Oh, my phone is off. <laughs> that's crazy. Have you seen all this? Jerry? I think uh, you shared it with me, right? Yeah. That is crazy. Is she like? So the top. So if you think that the top two lines, she wrote in about twenty seconds. Did didn't you say that she was skeptic too about this whole topic in general? I um, mean, she when was, you talked to her about it, she was. Has she ever seen it? Like, has she? Has she ever had visions or any experiences like that before? I mean, you know, I think that you can't have something like that happen if you don't have certain sensitivity already. And I know she was kind of into tarot cards and things, but yeah. Not like this. <laughs> Very interesting. Not like that. Yeah, frog. That's great. Right. Well, and by the way, I think that the the one thing is, you know, because there's only three written words in there. I think the significance of those is that they are phonetic and that they are spoken. The idea is that they are sounds, mm. not symbols. Mm. Okay. There's a resonant to the words, resonance mm. to the words. Certain vibration frequency, I would assume. Right. <laughs> cold <laughs> oh no that's very cool so um yeah and you know um like i said i those are the root experiences I, I i'd love to be able to you guys think about it or whatever and let's talk more yeah we'll do a q a and next time we go live or something <laughs> yeah. yeah we were actually considering that like, like doing a live session on, and we'll having like someone send questions in just about anyone's experience uh, and yeah, sure. i think that's smart because that'll that'll definitely that. like uh you know get him to like like be like oh yeah i forgot this detail or i forgot that detail well yeah. and like i said there's there's new information coming all the time well like i mean even <coughs> like discussing it like you never yeah with the intersection thing it being in the street you yeah. said you never thought about that i had not thought about that that's brilliant actually yeah. i'm that's what's cool about just like you know sharing like talk, when you talk with groups like you just they just have different perspectives that you mm-hmm. don't think about and yeah that's well it's you know because everyone has their own information right they have their own database and that's one of the things is this building shaking probably if someone goes up the stairs it like shakes the whole room okay it could just be that (laughs) well this whole thing is like sunken this whole you see how it curves right there oh yeah there was like some (coughs) water damage a while ago and just kind of and i think part you know when that earthquake happened yeah all too well Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i was uh you were probably over here right well i wasn't here when i wasn't there but it trashed our shop Oh, like yeah. I trashed our shop and my apartment, everything fell down because I'm on the top floor of a building that was built in 1926. Mm. So it went boom and it was seven o'clock in the morning. I mean, everything fell off my shelves. Ugh. Things fell over and blocked the door. I couldn't even I had to. That look. was. Yeah, that was cr- that day was crazy. I have something to add to that about going back to astral projection. Yes. The day that that happened, <laughs> that earthquake, I was having a dream about the earthquake happening i ran upstairs to alert everyone and no one was home 
Then about two minutes later, I wake because my bed is shaking. Wow. I run upstairs and no No one's home. home. (laughs) And it was a crazy experience. I've only had like two real experiences like that. And I mean, I, at first I thought a plane was like falling out of the sky and was just passing right over the house just because of the sound it like kind of made throughout the house. Um, but yeah, that was a crazy moment. And then one other time it was kind of like you described it where you're not really able to move until you make that mental connection. It's almost like a lucid dream where you can Mm -hmm. kind of get yourself up and kind of some experience, except I was able to look back, saw myself laying down, went upstairs, saw that it was snowing outside, opened the door and saw a red Chevy drive by. And then a couple seconds later, snapped back into myself walked right. upstairs it was snowing <coughs> saw a red chevy drive by it's so great which is so <laughs> weird like yeah. one one moment was just so just minimal and whatever but the other one was seeing this catastrophic event yeah. occur and it's like what I, I kept trying to remember like the state of mind i was in before i went to bed and like yeah. when i woke up if there was a correlation there but, but that could, we'll have to have a whole nother episode well, just could, based off that because that um, it's interesting. I've very rarely run into anyone else that has had an experience as close to one that I had, mm-hmm. which is that when I was in high school, I was walking down the senior hall, which as a not senior, that was always a dangerous proposition. <laughs> I was walking down the senior hall and I was by myself and I had this whole, it was felt like a deja vu where these three guys came around the corner at the end of the hall, walked toward me made some snide comment. I made a snide comment back and one of them punched me in the mouth. <laughs> right? That, but I mean, I was just, there was nobody there. I was, it was just this kind of thing. Yeah. Right? And then I took like another 10, seconds, 10, 15 steps and those three guys came around the corner yeah. and I went, if I don't say the thing, <laughs> right? I tried to change it. I got punched in the mouth anyway. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but it was very bizarre because it felt literally like a glitch in the matrix like mm-hmm. it was it it felt it was like a deja vu that hadn't happened yet right yeah but it was very tactile premonition and that's almost exactly what you're talking about yeah. with the chevy yeah, yeah. right yeah. i remember i i so I, I guess so deja vu then is like seeing something you're, you're like oh i feel like i've been here before right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no i've had what you've had um i've like had those premoni- moments where yeah. it's like a premonition yeah. type of thing yeah where uh, I, I remember I was shoveling snow uh, in wintertime. I know, funny enough. <laughs> there we go. With a red shovel. Okay. With a, red, yeah. <laughs> a red truck drives. I'm just kidding. No, no. I'm, sho- I'm shoveling snow. And uh, I remember, like, a- after I finished, it, and I was probably in high school or something like that, I looked at it, and I'm like, and, and I remember thinking, like, oh, okay, I think I did a pretty good job. And I, and I saw, like, in my mind, I'm like, I, I saw my, my stepdad came out, out of the blue and he's just like oh my gosh like you did a great job you know that type of thing and i'm like huh and then i turn and i look and all of a sudden he comes out and the whole scene plays out the exact way i saw it i'm like what was that you know that yeah. was that was a little weird yeah. so yeah i've yep. had something That's i can't remember exactly what it was but i've had something similar yeah um, from a sleeping state or well a, no just oh, like oh, no, something happening state. before like i think in a dream yeah like I, dr- I dreamt of something and then like a day or two later like that thing happened yeah, yeah. Exactly what it was. I know so I've crazy. Like so crazy. Wait a minute. Wait, I saw this happening. Yeah, this was like <laughs> 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 it was in the Google Calendar. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, should we reset ahead. or I mean, um, well, we're we pretty much at the end of it, so yeah. uh, we, we can definitely. We, well, we oh yeah, we did. Actually, we probably. This is how we end our little. Yeah. Thing. We we like to do a little fact and fiction thing. <clears throat> okay. 
<laughs> I just heard a ringing noise. That was my that phone. That was a timer. Oh, yeah. okay. Right? I like ringy noise. Yeah, it's like... That tumor? one might have cut out. It's all right. We got this. So, fact or fiction? The first photo of a UFO was taken in 1883 in Mexico. 18? Did they even have the camera in 18? No, they did. Because they, they have cameras. Curl they, they had photographs in yeah. 1863 of Gettysburg. So mm-hmm. okay. <coughs> hmm. But this was the first one of an actual UFO. I would have said fiction if I didn't see that. I would. I would not be surprised if there if it was true, because I know that there have been reports. Um, document reports is it was there was one in Texas where something crashed into a windmill and they actually recovered a body and buried the body and that was like 1889 or something century still wow. yeah so it wouldn't surprise me yeah I think that is yeah I, d- I think it's safe. I'd say fact you guys you're all full of crap <laughs> I made that no it's a fact <clears throat> where is it let's see it prove it it's yep. on his phone. He typed it up. <laughs> we'll, we'll post a photo of it up here. Yeah. Let, let me open Photoshop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm no, stoked that... that cut out though, by the I'm way. stoked we could do that today, though. Yeah. This, yeah. this has been awesome. And it'll be fun to do the next um, session. Maybe have some questions like we were talking about. Well, and... and do you have any shout-outs or plugs you want to... Yeah. What are you guys up to? Check out their new film. Uh, <laughs> Alien, Alien Country. Alien Country. Alien Country. And you can of course. Eventually. Eventually, <laughs> you can catch them on social media. What's what are your tags? Um, it's just uh, I'm not on Facebook anymore. That's I, okay. I deactivated my Facebook account because I was done. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I'm still on Instagram, and that's a place to go look. And it's just my name. Okay, my fu- full first and last name: H R A E F N W U L F S O N, as one word. We'll put it up. Perfect. And where am I? Uh, that's about it. Perfect. So, oh, and well, if you want to, never mind. Uh, yeah, me, Facebook and Instagram, you know, Charon Provoker on Facebook and Instagram. I think my handle is Charonorama <laughs> at Charonorama.com because oh, okay. that's, my, my, that's my, funny. Well, oh. the thing is, is like my, my first name is Rama Charon. I'm like Charonorama. Sounds yeah. right. Charon. You know? yeah. I know we were all having that talk earlier too. We're like, it's Sharon or Charon? Cause no one knows. Cause I, I started myself. calling you Charon <laughs> when we first like yeah. the very first met. And then once I heard Landon and oh, like sure, Brian. Yeah, sure. They were like Sharon. And I was like, wait. So I started mumbling your name because I didn't want to offend you, and I didn't want to ask you. So I was like, Hey, Sharon. Here's, here's my favorite part about my, about it. I I I I go by Sharon. Yeah. But uh, I love to see how it evolves, so I never correct people when they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I just like I just don't I just yeah. don't want to. So I've got good friends from a long time ago that still call me Sharon. And I'm not going to correct them. I'm like, you know what? It's great. But it's... Uh, That's sorry, not what was the name. first part? Ramacharan. Ramacharan. Ramacharan Prabhakar. I'm, I'm changing your name to that in my phone. You Which should. is interesting because what I know about Hindi, but just what I've heard, is it's it's Ramacharan or would it be Ramacharan? It, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, it really would be pronounced Ramacharan. Ramacharan. Okay. Ramacharan Prabhakar. But, but I'm like, you know what? It, we're already having enough fun with it as it is. <laughs> so, uh, I'll just leave it as it is. Really cool. Yeah. It's like I knew a kid growing up who was, who was born. His born name was Rama. Oh, okay. And yeah. then and then later he was it changed to Devanga. Okay. Um, and then I think he went back to Rama. Yeah. Well, it's just it's just funny. Like uh, Hip, uh, hippies. I, yeah. I was on a show that that it's coming. My episode is coming out this weekend, but 
the director of it made a shout out to me and he was like hey how do you say your name the indian way <laughs> oh yeah you know and i'm like uh, i don't know like uh charan he's like okay so in the shout out he's like oh, so my good friend charan and i'm like wow he, he <laughs> really? went for it yeah he went for it i'm like all right good Some emphasis on the end there yeah he, he was like hey my good friend charan and i'm like sweet but really i go by charan yeah simple. okay I actually got into a fight about your name with someone. Good. Who they said that your name was Sharon. Yeah. And I said, I doubt his name is Sharon. That's it's, like it's what everyone around calls him, especially on the sets we've been on. They're yeah, like, Sharon. Yeah. And I'm, I look at them and I'm like, and I look at you to see your reaction. But like, like you said, I, you don't correct people. So I don't like, correct people. I don't. Because it's, it's just, because the thing is, it's just, it's, uh, it's just fun to see where it goes. Yeah. You know? So, but yeah, Sharon. Sharon. I thought you were going to say, Sharon, no, my name is Pauline, but you yeah. can call me Sharon. Pauline. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so. wrong the whole time. Yes. Well, yeah. Awesome. That's, well, okay. Cool. That's okay. I, because of the spelling of my name. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I, I get uh, it all yeah. over the place. I get, I get, I, I love it when people try to pronounce it, the it, the real Anglo-Saxon, the old English. They'll, they'll go, they'll go, they go, Hafen, Hafen, Hafen. I have people now that still go, Hafen. I'm going, you can just say Raven, all right? Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you so thank much. You. thanks for coming by. Yep. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. That was a great time. Yep. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to come back and talk more. Definitely. I, yeah, it's fun. We'll have you both back on. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yep.